kind of, if you have not been around for a few weeks, you won't know that we've kind of thrown everything up in the air and changed it all. Um, so we had a survey, we had a series planned on Corinthians for seven o'clock and five o'clock. Um, and in the morning, we were going to spend some time thinking about vision and values as church. Um, and um, kind of that flowed out of a journey that we've been on as a church family. Kind of it goes right back to our church weekend a couple of years ago when we kind of focused on reimagining church. Uh, it's partly to do with the fact that we have left the team ministry and become an independent parish. And you kind of want to think about what really matters to us, what's really important to us as a church. Uh, and kind of it culminated in a leader's day for our PCC and our leadership team last November when we spent a lot of time thinking about the things we do, but also kind of more importantly, kind of what makes us distinctive as a church, kind of what really matters to us um, as a church. And the plan was to talk about that in the morning. Uh, and then we had this kind of realisation that really you couldn't just do that with one congregation. It was something we needed to do with each congregation. Because although the way we worship in the different services is very different, you know, it's heaving with kids in the morning and kind of it's more family orientated and kind of at five o'clock it's more traditional. We have an organ and we have hymns. We even have liturgy, kind of heavens above. Oh dear, this is on tape presumably, isn't it? Shouldn't say things like that. Um, kind of um, one of my failings. Um, you say, is this one of those evenings when I'm going to open my mouth and put both feet in it? Probably, I normally do. Um, even though we might worship differently, we felt very strongly that the values we have and what God calls us to is something that's true for kind of each kind of congregation, each service at St. Matthew's. So we kind of threw what we were doing up in the air and we decided to revisit it. Now, I'm aware that means that some of you may have heard me before. Mary arrived and discovered and she went home. You might want to leave at this point. <laughs> Please don't. I could get a bit kind of dissolute. <laughs> I could get kind of, I could feel a bit vulnerable if you did that, really. If it's any consolation, having sat through the worship this evening, having get delivered this talk twice, I suddenly realised that there's a third point that should have been part of this talk rather than just two points, and I really ought to change it at the third time I give it, but never mind. Uh, if you were here last week... Uh, I kind of did the first half of what I did two Sundays ago in the morning. Um, in the morning, I kind of introduced the series, talked through some of the vision and value stuff, and then spoke about the first of those values, which was welcoming. So last week, I did the first half. If you haven't heard any of it before, it's all on the website. You can either listen to it in one go from the morning, or you can listen to it in two chunks from kind of last week and from this week here. Um, last week, kind of the point I made was kind of the, because I was doing the first half of the talk, I wasn't sure the talk had an ending. Because I'm doing the second half of the talk, I know it's got an ending. I'm not quite sure it's got a beginning, but never mind. Um, I'm doing my best to fill in the gaps. Um, so what I want to do is just kind of pick up where I left off last week. Kind of I mentioned that we um, that we talked about values. Um, kind of when we met together as a, for a leader's day. Um, we, these are some of the things we brainstormed that were what were important for us about St. Matthew's. Uh, being Jesus-centered, our vision is about igniting passion for Jesus. Uh, uh, being hospitable, caring, being inclusive, um, accepting people, being non-judgmental, 
being a safe place, um, being a place where people feel supported, being a family, being informal, um, our worship, kind of enabling and nurturing people's gifts. We really are passionate about raising up leaders, um, teaching the word, um, the importance of the Spirit's work in our lives, prayer, um, being community focused, those outside, uh, integrity. These were just kind of some of the stuff we brainstormed about what matters to us as a church. And if you look at them, some of them are things about what we believe uh, and some of them are things about what we are. And I, and I make that distinctive intentionally. If you look on our website, you will find there's some stuff on values there already. Uh, it's very much about the stuff that we believe, the importance of the cross, of the word, of the spirit. Uh, what we want to be thinking about over these next few weeks is much more about what makes us who we are. Kind of, you know, it's that whole kind of stick of rock thing. If you break it anywhere, you'll find the same word going through it all the way. Uh, it's that kind of thing that's what is there at the core of our being as a church that really kind of says what matters to us, who we are, not just kind of what we believe. Um, and so kind of when we started to think about that, we kind of, we grouped some of those things under these three titles. Welcome, generosity, and serving. And those are the values we're talking about over the next few weeks. And I'm going to talk about welcoming tonight. Um, we're going to have ha we're going to have Carol next week talking about serving, and then Hannah the week after that talking about um, generosity. Um, so kind of tonight is all about welcoming. Um, there is a thread that runs through those three things, I think. Um, and that is that not only are they what we would want to be as a church, and it's not a case of we've got to try and be like this. I think in some ways it's picking up on what we feel we already are. And that may sound a bit arrogant. I hope it's not. Um, but actually, that they're important to us because actually they're part of God's nature, aren't they? Ultimately, the God we worship is a God that welcomes us, that comes looking for us even before we look for him. A God who is generous, a God who gave us the greatest gift possible, his son. Uh, we believe in a saviour that didn't come to lord it, but came amongst us as as one that serves. So kind of, you know, although these are what we want to see reflected in church life, and, be and we believe is reflected in church life, um, it's kind of, it's, it's about kind of the nature of God himself, really, um, who God is. So kind of we're beginning with, with welcoming today. Um, and I just want to kind of clarify, you know, I am so grateful for the people that give their time to serve um, and to welcome people at all three of our services. It kind of happens differently at each of them. It, it kind of felt like after five o'clock, I was making comparisons and suggesting that one was better than the other. Actually, they're just all different, um, you know. You know, I was I was singing the virtues of seven o'clock to five a few minutes ago. I was telling them that we have wagon wheels. We have sometimes. Well, we have we have had wagon wheels. We get chocolatey things. Now they tend to go savoury. They have they have they they have cheese straws tonight. I have to say I lament the fact 
that Chrissy doesn't do welcome there anymore because we used to have sausage rolls pretty much every week. Um, there's, yeah, there, kind of, but actually, what I'm not, what, yeah, whilst I'm really grateful for that and I love that, that's not at the heart of what I want to talk about tonight. Um, welcoming isn't just what happens at the door, it's part of it. Um, actually, welcoming is about an attitude of heart. And, and that's what I want to really focus on this evening. It's not to say that what we do isn't important. It really is. I love the chocolate biscuits. Thank you so much. I love the fact that the coffee is there when I walk through the door and when I need it the most, which is generally when I'm ever about to start a service, to be honest. Um, I love the way people are treated when they arrive, and I hope people feel welcome. Um, but actually kind of that's not kind of the whole thing that's not really what I'm wanting to talk about in a way it models what I want to talk about kind of all three of those values kind of are at work there we want people to feel welcome um, kind of we model generosity in the cakes and the cheese straws and the chocolate biscuits and the coffee um, kind of we model serving in the people that willingly do that, that get here early and get it set up and make sure it's all ready before the rest of us arrive. Kind of all of those kind of values kind of find a, a place in what we do at the door. Um, kind of, and that's exciting and that's important. But actually there's something more that I want to talk about. Oops, let's jump back. Um, welcome isn't just the business of the welcome team, it should be all of our concerns. Um, you know, kind of the culture of our church life, not just what happens at the door, ought to be about welcoming um, and reaching out to people. Um, and it seems to me that the welcome at the door um, is actually an outworking, it's kind of a practical picture of the welcome that is in the heart. And it's that welcome in the heart that I want to talk about in particular. Uh, and there are three reasons for that. There were two. In the other two talks, there's only two. So you are the only congregation that will get to hear the third point, which I haven't written, but I will make up as I go along when I get there in a moment. Um, the reason why we want to be welcoming is because it's part of the nature of God. Yeah, it's it, you know it's God who welcomes us, and that's why we want to welcome others. Uh, it's um, you know it's you know, it's a reflection of the heart of God, and I love that parable that Katie read for us this evening. Um, it is categorically my favourite parable. Um, I love it, um, and I suspect I am not alone in identifying uh, with the different characters. Uh, in the story that Jesus told. Um, kind of, I've probably identified with different characters at different times in my life. I know that I felt like the younger son. I felt totally undeserving of God's love. Um, and I suspect, well, I know the people that are nodding already, that others share um, that sense of bewilderment that God would love and accept us. We don't deserve it, but he does it. Anyway, and that's the place I've stood. Not just before I was a Christian, kind of, it's been the place I've stood at all sorts of different times um, in my Christian journey. 
um, when kind of I feel like I've messed up yet again and can't believe that God could accept me. You know, I kind of, I connect with the younger son. I wish I didn't, but I also connect with the older son. You know, there are times when my attitude has been pharisaical, uh, judgmental of others. Uh, I wish I could say that, oh, I've never been like that. But I know that I have been like that. Um, you know, I, and I love what Omri Nguyen says about this parable. That actually we may all be like the, 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 different, the sons at different times. But the goal for all of us is to become like the father. That's what our God is like. That's what we see exemplified in the father in this story. Uh, and that's what it means to grow in the Christian faith. We often start out like the younger son. Um, when we've been around church a bit, it's very easy to become like the older son. But actually the goal is to be like the father. Um, to have a heart like the father uh, that loves and welcomes all. Um, and that's why this is so much in the heart of God. So it's ultimately the father I'm drawn to. Because that's what God's like. Um, and I love the fact that whenever I read it, I see new things. Um, I love the way that the father never stops looking for the son to come home. While he's still far off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. You know, the son is trying to work up the courage to come home. And he's rehearsing again and again his lines of how he's going to try and say sorry. And acknowledge he doesn't deserve to be forgiven. And he could only be a servant in the father's house. And none of that matters to the father. Even before the son gets home, the father is looking for him. Even before we ever turn to God, God is looking for us. That's his heart. That's his nature. Um. I, I said at the other services that when I prep, I often have kind of my iPad open and I will have not just the Chelsea commentary on the football if it happens to be a Saturday. I will generally have my Bible on my iPad and I have it split down the middle. I have the NIV on one side and I have the message on the other side. And often I kind of compare. And I, I love that phrase in the, in the NIV about the father being filled with compassion. Um, but the message puts this like this. It says that the father's heart was pounding. The father's heart was pounding. That's how the father feels about the son. That's how the father feels about us. His heart is pounding. That's how, he, how excited he is when he sees us coming home. That's his nature. I love it. And then the father runs. And I think you know as well as I do, kind of if you've been around a church any length of time, you will know that kind of the older people in the scriptures do not do that. They, they are respected. Um, they're often austere. They have dignity. They don't pull up their skirts around their waist and charge down the road. This is saying something incredibly powerful about the heart of God. Um, that's what God's like, Jesus is saying. And he throws his arms around him. He embraces him. And as I say, I love it when you see something new. And it's the, it's the message again that kind of helped me with that. Um, kind of, it says in the, um, 
in the NIV one. He was still a long way off. His father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. You know, that heart was pounding. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him. He kissed him. It's at that point the son starts to get out. He's kind of pre-planned kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of confession and act of repentance. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. And then the NIV says, the father speaks to the servants. The son's pouring this thing out. And the father doesn't respond to the son. He speaks to the servants. Um, quick, bring the robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf. He doesn't speak to the son. And the message puts it like this. It kind of sums that up and says, the father didn't listen. The father didn't listen. Please understand what that means. It doesn't mean that the father didn't care. It doesn't mean that the father didn't care. Well, actually, it does in a way, but not in the way that you might think. It doesn't mean he didn't care about the son. What it meant was he didn't care about the rubbish um, that kind of had marred the son's life, that made the son, that made the son think his father couldn't accept him. And so often the problem with us is that we are so overburdened with guilt and a sense of failure uh, and we cannot imagine how God could ever respond to us. Or let me tell you, it doesn't matter. To it matters to us. That sort of stuff burdens us down and it makes us pull back from God. It matters more to us than it does to God. God just wants to see us coming home. I love it. And this is what God is like. This is why Jesus tells this story. This is why welcoming is an attitude of the heart. Um, and that's what kind of ought to characterize us. It, uh, it's what I long that it would characterize us as a church. It doesn't mean we get it right all the time. It doesn't mean that we're not like this. I think it's at the heart of what we are. We, but we don't always get it right. But I just want the long that this would be what would characterize us. Um, so what does that mean? What does that actually look like? Um, well, we're helped by the fact that it's not just the father in this passage that welcomes. It's also the son who welcomes. Great. Um, we kind of had this read from the NIV at the beginning. This is the message version of it. Um, this explains why Jesus told the story. Not just this one, but the other two parables that w go with it. The, um, the lost coin um, and also the lost sheep. Um, by this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. Um, I just love the way the broken are drawn to Jesus. The Pharisees and the religious scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling, um, Luke says, triggered this story. Um, anyone here ever feel ever so slightly disreputable or of doubtful character? 
Well, the religious are outraged because Jesus welcomes sinners. Jesus welcomes everyone. He welcomes us all. Um, and kind of that's at the heart of what we would want for this church family. We want it to be a place where everyone is welcome, where everyone feels accepted, uh, regardless of their race, their color, their gender, their sexuality. We want everyone to be welcome. Uh, we want St. Matt's to be a place where actually it can hold people that have different views and different opinions, whether that is theologically and kind of I suspect that we, you know, people would have a wide range of views about many issues. It's not that we will always disagree, but it's about how we will disagree with love and respect. Or whether it's whether people that have different social or political views. Um, you know, we want St. Matt's to be a place where kind of people can be themselves and can be respected and can be welcome and will welcome others even if they don't think or feel the same way. Jesus welcomes the broken. He welcomes those of doubtful character. He welcomes sinners. He welcomes all of us. Uh, and if we want to be like Jesus, so should we too. Um, this is where we kind of go into the possible endings. I did one ending at 10, so you perhaps you might want to listen to that. I did another ending at five. That's not been recorded. Um, and I, now I've got to decide which one I'm going to do here. Um, I'll, do I'll do the one I did at five. Um, I just want to quote you some lines from a book about church growth. This was written <coughs> 40 years ago. This dates me rather, doesn't it? Um, when even went, yeah. I remember getting it at theological college and reading it, and it connected with my heart in an extraordinary way. It's called "I Believe in Church Growth." It's written by Eddie Gibbs at the time he was working for the Bible Society, um, and he kind of did this massive kind of work, kind of examining where churches were growing and why, and trying to help people understand that. Um, and he wrote this great book. And then before he got it to publish, um, he kind of ended up seeing two things that he didn't have time to write about in it. So they got included in the prologue. Uh, one was some churches in England, one in the West Midlands and one in Kent, um, a Baptist church and an Anglican church that were both seeing amazing growth. And he talks about that. Uh, and then another was a church which we would now know as the Vineyard um, in the United States, in California. Uh, and and this is what he says about it in the prologue. Come with me across the Atlantic to the west coast of the United States. Um, in a new housing development of your Belinda, the assembly hall of Canyon High School is filled three times each Sunday with several thousand new Christians. The church, which has no premises of its own, is just four years old. The minister, John Wimber, who has the body build and voice tone of Burl Ives, conducts the evening service from behind a synthesizer. I have no plans to do that, just in case anyone's worried. Your job is safe, Matt. Don't worry about it. Um, as, 
Um, he talks about kind of the, the the band with him and talks about the easygoing leadership style and kind of and contemporary music, um, and then goes on to say that the congregation consists largely of people under the age of 25. The minister who baptises by immersion jokes that he's baptised so many people during the past few weeks that his skin has become permanently wrinkled and now he's delegated baptising to members of his congregation who perform the ceremony in their backyard pools. Um, many of the converts, are from the converts are from the drug counterculture. The church has no formal membership but people are made to feel like they belong. Hang on to that phrase. He pauses in his sermon to say to someone that's late, Hi there, glad you made it. Could you imagine if I did that on a Sunday morning? I'd never actually get anywhere in the service. I would be saying hi there for the first 15 minutes as people stroll in late. But never mind, um, that isn't what I'm asking us to model. But never mind. Um, part of the attraction of this church is that it has a strong doctrine of restoration as well as salvation. And this is where I'm heading. This is a church where you can fail and still come back. Uh, at the conclusion of the service, groups gather around individuals who want prayer. Um, that night, bodies, lives, relationships are healed. Physical healings take place, etc., etc. And I remember reading that at Theological College, and I thought, that's the sort of church that I want to lead. That's the sort of church that I want to lead. And believe me, I would love to see thousands becoming Christians and baptise all those people. But actually, that isn't what matters. I'd love to see people healed more than we do. Um, but that's not at the heart of this. It's that little phrase where this is a church where you can fail and still come back. That kind of that lodges in my heart. You see, that's the sort of welcome that I'm talking about. That's the sort of welcome that we see in this parable. This young man has failed, but he can still come back. The arms of his father are open. Um, and and I, when I wrote this, that, that was where I intended to stay, end. Um, but there is a third point. We talked about the father that welcomes, the son that welcomes. Actually, I, yeah, I don't know why I'm so dense, and when I was writing it, I didn't even spot the obvious thing. You know, we really also ought to talk about the spirit that welcomes. Um, you know, it's the spirit that calls us home, but it's not just the spirit that welcomes, and that's part of what we want to characterize this church. But it's also the fact that as a church we want to be a place where we welcome the spirit to come and minister and work in our lives and to change us to restore us to make us whole um, and I won't go into any longer on a point that I've not written yet and try and preach it without writing it but um, you know what I mean I think let's just stand together